Welcome to What Are You Sporting About podcast, a podcast about business, employment, sports, and entertainment to help educate, support, and guide you to your next level. Here's your host, attorney Savania DeBarros. Hi, guys. Welcome to What Are You Sporting About podcast. I am your host, Savania DeBarros, the protector of athletes. I'm also the founder and principal attorney of the S. Elderbarrows Law Firm, where we represent six and seven figure business owners and athletes in business. Today, I have a great guest with me, Mr. Brian Luckett. So let me just tell you a little bit about Mr. Luckett before we bring him in uh, to share some of his story with us. So Mr. Luckett serves as the NJCAA Vice President for External Affairs and Development. You know them as JUCO. Luckett is also responsible for JUCO's comprehensive development strategy and oversees their championship TV, in addition to managing all relationships with external clients. Before joining JUCO's national office in 2018, Mr. Luckett served as the Senior Director of Marketing and Communications at Pfeiffer University, where he managed all university external affairs. And previous to that, He was the Associate Athletic Director of External Affairs and Corporate and Donor Relations Coordinator at JUCO member Patrick Henry Community College. He has managed fundraising, external affairs, and financial operations while at Patrick Henry, including updating the athletic department brand. Welcome to the show, uh, Brian. Thank you. Glad to be here. So I'm so glad that... um, that you agreed to come on to the show. So let's just open it up with this question. What does what are you sporting about mean to you? Um, I think to me it means, um, especially being on the two-year college level about, you know, what what how do you represent the sport that you're involved in? Um, and that really is a different story for people at different levels. But at the end of the day, um, it, it's really about telling your story about where you started, where you started, where you're going, and really why you why you play your sport. And there's so many people from stories after that. Um, you know, and for instance, on the two-year college level, um, it's, it's different for a lot of them. Um, and they all come from different places. And the NJCA motto is opportunities start here. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter where you're going. There's an opportunity for you. Um, and really, when you talk about what are you sporting about is, you know, what are you trying to make yourself? And being able to have sports as an avenue to be able to do that. I love that explanation. So everyone who listens to this podcast know that there are a few different things that this podcast is about, but the the crux of this platform is definitely trying to speak to athletes. And I love that last part you said, like, no matter what you choose to do, there's an avenue for you, especially in sports. So you just kind of have to figure out what exactly is it that you want to do and then pick the right avenue for you. So I want to take that and ask you, um, about JUCO and whether that is a good avenue for student athletes to consider for their path to greatness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at, um, you know, a lot of people, when they think of the term JUCO, if you're, if you're in the sports world or you're a fan of sports, you've at least heard that. And for a lot of people, they may not have the full understanding of what that means to, uh, of JUCO. Um, in for the NJCAA, a lot of people don't realize that the NJCAA is the national governing body for all two-year college athletics, uh, where the same thing as the NCAA except for two-year schools. 
Um, and it's a, a national organized uh, governing body, just like the NCAA. And there are two-year schools that competitively compete in college athletics. You know, some people think as JUCO as, oh, yeah, that's just the, the two-year school down the street. And, you know, people go there and, um, you know, kind of mess around for two years. Absolutely not. It is competitive, high-level two-year college athletics. Uh, we have a lot of our, our programs that play against four-year schools, and they beat four-year schools. Um, so it's it's definitely a high level. And there's a lot of things going on in our society today that uh, a lot of times that that term JUCO or looking at two-year college athletics has a negative stigma to it. And really for us, it's really telling the story for people to understand uh, that what you see in the media or sometimes what you see from shows is not telling the full picture. It's not telling the whole story of really what it means um, to be a junior college athlete or, or what it means to be on this level. Um, you know, you have a high level of talent such as the uh, Jimmy Butler's, Cam Newton, Albert Pujols, Bubba Watson, uh, Cheryl Swoops, you know, just to name a few, um, a very few of the, the high profile student athletes we have. But we have 60,000 student athletes a year and we were founded in 1938. So the millions of student athletes that had a chance to play high competitive college athletics be able to, um, you know, earn an education, be able to continue their education. That's really what we're about. Um, and, the, and the plenty of people that have been, uh, you know, positive benefits to our society because they're able to play at the NJCA level. That's really our story that we want to tell people. Um, and when, if there's a negative stigma that's attached to it, how many student athletes um, either become statistics because they try to go to college and they can't afford it because they don't have a scholarship? How many go away from home when they're just not ready for that yet? Um, that that's the real uh, problem our society should address. It's not a, oh, you know, you're a lesser of an athlete because you went two year, which isn't the case. Oh, you're not as great academically because you went two year. That that's not the case. I'm a two year college graduate myself. And, you know, it, it is a high level of uh, competition athletics. And there's also that high academic component to it as well. And um, we really want to tell the story so that negative stigma can really cease because it's a false narrative. We're doing a lot of people disservice by having that. And look where you are, right? So you are the VP of External Affairs and have had a great track record to where you are now. So you mentioned some of the high profile athletes who came from the JUCO level. I think it highlights the fact that it doesn't matter. Well, in a way, it does matter where you go, but it also centers back around to that what are you sporting about answer that you gave. You choose the path for you. So sometimes everyone wants to choose the path that other people think they should take or the the role that's, you know, a little more glamorous, but then they don't think about how how much impact can I make in the space that I will be in, right? And so when you compare um, major NCAA schools to JUCO schools, those look completely different, look completely different. And so I want to talk to you about the academic component, the ability to um, have smaller class sizes to where um, you you may actually be able to be set up more for success later, especially depending on the person and how much support you need academically versus going to a university of an NCAA school where there are thousands of people in the room. So what benefit does JUCO have in that particular sense for the student athlete? Yeah, I think one of the really interesting things to look at is it's it's so different no matter where you're at in the country. And that's not that's not just two year, that's also four year. 
Um, there are some four-year schools that are, are very large, and you're going to have those those classes that are 100 to 200, 300, if not more, um, in, in each of those classes. Um, you, you'll have large classes on the two-year college level, too, um, but it really depends on the the state, the locality, um, where you're at. But when you look at the two-year college, um, I guess, you know, academic overall, there are a lot of it, community colleges service the most first-generation college students in, in the country. And they also serve those from low socioeconomic backgrounds. And that's why it's so so pivotal, really. That's why we say two-year colleges are the backbone of higher education in the United States. Um, they're really helping those to be able to to uh, make something of, of themselves to get that education and, and to be able to to persist, graduate, and then move on. But I mean, when you look at right now, uh, the growing trend is the number of students coming out of high school that go to two-year college and then transfer. A lot of pipeline programs, a lot of guaranteed transfer agreements that you see in different states. And and why is that? What's well, because the two years worth of either general studies or those kind of intro courses that you take at a two-year college, it's the same thing you're going to take at a four-year school. You're just paying less than half the cost in order to do it. So that's why a lot of four-year schools are doing these guaranteed transfer agreements or even you know some type of, of agreements that are in place. So you're, you're getting the same education those first two years um, and then transferring to, to finish your degree. And that's a growing trend. And it's going to continue to grow, um, especially with the cost of higher education and what's going, what's taking place. When you look at the tuition, again, two-year colleges are usually less than half, less than half the cost of four-year colleges. And we're actually seeing more people go to compete at the two-year college level in terms of athletics. If you don't get a scholarship to a four-year school, you get a partial. I mean, look, there are people that go and play D2 that don't get any scholarship money. Um, and then you look at Division three, as large as it is on the NCAA level, that's no athletic scholarships there. Um, in JCAA, you can still earn a scholarship, or if even if you don't get any athletic aid, you're paying substantially less to still play college athletics, and then you can still transfer. Many of our student athletes transfer and they earn a scholarship to a four-year level. And even again, if they don't, they've already saved less than half the cost um, from from what you would have been paying. So, when you look at that academic level. The trend is growing. There are more people that are attending two-year colleges. The impact of COVID, more people have stayed local. Um, more people are seeing, again, that difference in the cost. Um, and when you look at really the, the academic level, um, there's really not that much of a difference when you're looking at those courses that you take, that you're going to take at the four-year level anyway. Yeah, that's true. You know, I was thinking of the entrepreneurial spirit that a lot of student athletes have to have to survive in this game, right? Some of them don't even know that they have that. But when you're talking about the benefit financially that you will receive by going to a two-year school, which may be at JUCO or some other, you know, association type school, you have to think about the money part. So how many student athletes are um, going on a partial scholarship or none at all to walk on to an NCAA school school team and you have $100,000 of debt after you graduate. Now you have the pressure with, if you are the type of athlete who is really, really, really trying to get on a pro team, you have that pressure in addition to paying the tuition that that bill that's left at the end of the day from college. So that I want people to realize that every 
every decision you make, especially now when you're going into college, it's all entrepreneurial. It's all a business decision. You have to find the right fit for you, not what other people think is for you, but for you. So I want to ask you, how does, because we've talked a lot about um, the pipeline programs and how JUCO compares to the NCAA, how would you say JUCO compares to NAIA, which is another popular association a lot of people go to um, for college athletics? Yeah, I think it's pretty similar, um, at least in, in our relationship and how it works with um, NCAA. I'd, I'd say it's pretty similar to NAIA. Um, we're very well with the NAIA. Um, a, a lot of their institutions are, are private, um, you know, private four-year. Um, but we have we have quite a few student athletes that that go to two-year level in JCAA and then they transfer to NAIA institutions. Um, so I, I would say it is it is pretty similar. Um, I think because they're private, sometimes you don't have some of those public state agreements of guaranteed transfer or or whatever that program would be. Um, but again, pretty similar. And for for the NAIA, um, they're all about that high level of competition and recruiting the best student athletes possible. So we see a lot of our student athletes recruited by NAI institutions as well. Um, I'd say it's very similar. Okay. So that's good to know. So I want to ask you though, because we all know name, image, and likeness is on the cuffs. Um, what do you believe, or do you believe that student athletes have more of a leverage at the JUCO level? For their name, image, and likeness, or do you think something completely different? Hmm. That is a great question. I, I think my honest answer would be um, that it's it's <laughs> there's a lot still to be determined of what exactly this looks like in the future with name, image, and likeness. Um, and and it's really funny the fact that well, it's not funny, but we just kind of chuckle when we we come across it with all these states that are doing different legislation. Mm-hmm that um, say, hey, we're talking about four-year college athletics. You have some states that just say college athletics in general. And you have other states that they're actually listing four-year and two-year when they're talking. So, you know, in terms of what the NJCA is looking at, of if if there's not a universal same across the board, are there states that we're being left out of that aren't even considering that two-year are still college athletes at the end of the day? Other states are doing their due diligence and, and spelling it out. So there's still a lot to, to be worked out. And, you know, and, and for the two-year college level, it makes it so unique because you can either have a student athlete, let's, let's not even say it's coming out of high school um, and then transferring the four-year. We could have the student athlete that was at the four-year level transfer to the two-year level and then going back. Mm-hmm. Implications. I know that's what's being talked about on the four-year level. But that's something else at the two. We lost you for a bit, Brian. If we've got. You broke out a little bit. I'm sorry. So you were saying that. um, So you have them coming and they're transferred from the four year to the two year and sometimes back again. Start from there because we you broke out a bit. Sure. Sorry about that. Um, So that that's what makes it so unique for the NJCA level of that. You know, we've got it both ways. So when we start talking about, uh, you know, the the student athlete and and the recruiting implications that could come out of this. And I know that's what they're talking about, the four year level. Mm -hmm. 
you know, that, that becomes pretty unique too on, on the NJCA level, you know, um, is, is there a student athlete, um, that was appearing in certain commercial opportunities because of, they were being recruited by a, a, a four-year school and it just happened to be the booster was the one that was helping them. And, you know, there's some of those implications and, and talking about does, does the student athlete, um, have leverage, you know, I, I think the future of what, is the intention of what they're doing with, with, um, you know, NIL is that it gives the student athlete the opportunity um, to really be able to, to market themselves, to be able to promote themselves. Um, and again, have that opportunity um, from a student athlete perspective. The NCAA will be on the same, you know, wavelength as what happens throughout the rest of the country. Um, whatever is ultimately decided, our, goal for the NJCA, the number one goal is student athletes are eligible, that they're on track to graduate, and they have what they need to be able to go on to whatever that next step may be, whether it's transferring to keep playing, whether it's going into the workforce, no matter what it is, that is our number one goal. And whatever the NJCA has to do to be compliant with the NCAA, NAIA, and with any regulations that come from states or the federal government, that's where the NJCA will be. And we only do that for the benefit of our student athletes. Um, so again, talking about that leverage, I think our, the student athletes from the NJCA level will be able to benefit um, regardless, just because of, um, you know, either what happens with NIL or because of, you know, what we make the most of, of the situation. Do you think there's going to be a compliance nightmare <laughs> so you know because especially if you have students who are transferring um maybe one or multiple times uh, you're looking at a nationwide issue here and you talked about some states not having legislation yet so then it's going to be up to major uh, athletic organizations to put their own rules in place and say you have a student who's transferring from an ncaa school who now, you know, they're, they're going to pass their rules pretty soon. And then they transfer to a JUCO school where there's no state legislation whatsoever. Like what is legislate, I mean, what is um, compliance going to look like for you guys? If, if it's a student who transferred from another institution, not attached to NCAA, but there's state rules in place for NIL, then they transfer to JUCO. What does that compliance look like? If there is a universal ruling or program, I think it does become very, very difficult. Um, and, and to the point that you've made of, if, what, if, what if you have somebody that's at a four-year school, transfers to another state for a two-year school, and then transfers to a third different state to go to another four-year school, and what if they're all three different? Yeah. Fabulous question that I think people fear the most in, in college athletics in terms of looking at it. Because, again, our number one goal you see a lot of times our rules, we'll adjust them. We're not the same on all in, in court in the NCAA, but we keep our rules pretty close um, to them in the NEIA. Again, for that sole purpose of it doesn't make much sense rules for student athletes, but that become ineligible to transfer to the four-year level. And that's not what we're about. We make sure that our rules um, and, and policies align so when student athletes transfer, they have that opportunity. With whatever takes out, that is where we will be in terms of our student athletes um, and, and to be able to, you know, transfer to be able to play and continue to earn their education. 
I think that's why a lot of people are really, we work with the NCAA closely and, and support a lot of their efforts of trying to have universal rule because it would become very complicated from a compliance standpoint of keeping track of all of that. And that's why for us, we're again in, in a lot of wait and see mode to see well, does the NCAA implement to be able to track all of this? Um, you know, we make sure that with our regulations and what we do from an eligibility standpoint, it makes it very easy for our student athletes to be able to transfer and have the proper documentation for everybody for if any decisions have to be made. And we're, we work very closely with the NCAA and NAIA in this COVID in terms of the new eligibility um, waivers that have been granted and trying to make sure that the documentation and the information is needed for the student athletes to be able to transfer and know what their options will be, whether um, NCAA is different and what they're doing D1, D2, and D3, and trying to make sure we keep up with all of that. That would be very similar to what we're looking at here. It's a matter of communicating, making sure we understand what those regulations would be. But to your point, if that's different by every state, it would be pretty difficult to do. And again, the priority is giving this opportunity to student athletes. And I know that's what the whole discussion is about and, and philosophical discussions. But if there's not a way to be able to service that, it makes it very difficult to accomplish that deed that we're trying to set out to do. Um, so that is something we're still watching closely and, and working with all parties. Love the answer. So on the flip side of that, and we talked a lot about leveraging, do you see there being a disaster component for student athletes, especially if the student athlete is trying to juggle too much and now worried about the pressures of trying to leverage name, image, and likeness so much that they forget the intricate balance of being a student, an athlete, and then potentially also an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think that's a big discussion. You know, it goes back to that philosophical debate that's been going on for quite a while and, and that one discussion of, or the, the one point of, you know, do we lose sight of the student athlete being the student athlete? Um, and, and I think that's a fair point to make. And it's something that, um, and I think you'd have to look back to on, well, the college athletic landscape, what, what is it now compared to what it was 40 years ago? Yeah. Um, and, and if, People complain today about the state of big time college athletics, the money that's involved, where the money goes and what the priorities are in, in college athletics. Um, what happens in 30 to 40 years to student athletes? It's a fair, it's a fair question and um, something that obviously adjusts with, 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 with the times. I think a lot of people like college athletics because of what that has meant in terms of and uh, you know how they how they're involved with the athletic side of it while also competing at a very high level. Um, but there's always that that fine line, and yeah. I think college athletics, is, especially on the, the the big time level, has flirted with it. And um, you know that we'll see if this either further that or if it helps to create some type of balance. You know, I think again, depending on who you ask, depends on the answer that you get from it. Um, but. On, on the NJCA level, um, you know, even with, uh, you know, name, image, and likeness, I think you'll still continue to find the very programs that maybe this this impacts more. Um, but our student athletes, a lot of them are looking for that opportunity, whether they were overlooked in high school, um, whether they they weren't strong enough, fast enough, ready for, for that level, and they go and, 
they, they get prepared at the two-year level. Maybe they are behind on their academics. They need to be able to, to work on that for a year or two. A lot of our student athletes are looking for that opportunity um, and they become the next great stories at the four-year level. Our goal at the end of the day will make sure that our student athletes have every opportunity to, to compete and uh, have an education and, and to be able to, to, to grow and, and be able to, to transfer and do that. Um, I think you won't see it as much on the NJCA level. You will probably, again, with some of the big programs or bigger names that come through. But at the end of the day, athletics, whether NIL changes it drastically or not, should always be about the opportunity to compete, to, to be able to earn an education, um, and to be able to go on to the next chapter of life. Um, no matter what happens, there are people in the world that have good intentions and those that have bad intentions. Athletics has had people with... Uh, that, that enter that world with, with bad intentions since its beginning. But it's about how are we safeguarding the student athletes and, and how are we staying true to our mission priority no matter what the future holds. I love that. I mean, that was a great wrap up. <laughs> how are we safeguarding the student athlete? I absolutely love that. So we're going to wrap up now. But before we go, I want to ask you if there is any advice you have for the student athlete who may be transferring um, to a JUCO level school or thinking about it, or for the student athlete who is about to be fresh out of high school, have no idea where they should go. Is there any advice for those student athletes? Yeah, I think if, if you think you're better than something or somebody else, I think you got to take a hard look in the mirror about where you're actually at and where your mindset is. Um, you know, it's, it's it's funny that when we look at some of our most prominent student athletes, um, well, I told them, well, you know, why are you going JUCO? Oh, you're better than that. What a lot of them end up ahead more than the people that told them that. You always got to look at what's the best opportunity for you in the moment that you're in. Noise, tune out the doubters, you know, what society wants to tell you, but look at what is the best opportunity for you. If it's to the four-year level because you have a scholarship because you think it's the best fit, that, then that's the best thing for you to do. If it's going to the two-year level because you need that opportunity, you need to save the cost, you have a scholarship, it's closer to home, whatever the reason may be, then that's the best opportunity for you. But today, too many people get influenced by factors that really do not matter, except for the fact what other people think about it. And our student athletes coming out of high school or whether you, you started and you're, you're looking for something else, you need to find the opportunity that best fits you. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a professional athlete. Not everybody's going to be a division one athlete. Um, the percentage of students that come from high school to compete in college athletics is already a small percentage as it is. If you're competing in college athletics, then that is a feat in itself. Yeah. And, uh, people just need to, to understand that uh, your words matter. And student athletes need to look at what is the best opportunity for me to keep going, not to hold out for that big offer that you're looking for. Sometimes it probably may never come. You've got to look at the best opportunity for you based on where you're at and then keep moving ahead. Don't stop. Keep moving. Keep moving both feet forward. And that's the best that you can do. And in this world of COVID right now, our student athletes have got to remember that life is unfair. It's yep. on many different levels, but you got to keep moving because you got to get somewhere. 
and just sitting is not going to be able to do it. You got to keep moving. Yes, yes, yes. And it's so unpredictable. Life in itself is so unpredictable. And I always tell people, like, don't put your eggs in one basket because you don't know what's going to happen. You can be an athlete today and tomorrow you can have a catastrophic injury that keeps you from playing. So what else is there? Like, who, what are you? Who are you? You know, what is left on the table besides athletics? But I I do want to highlight the fact that, and this is a popular saying, it doesn't matter where you start, it's where you finish. And if you look at the process from that angle and figure out where is it, where do I want to finish actually, right? Where do I want to end up at? And then go to the beginning and figure out what is the best course of action for you starting off so that you can get to that point of accomplishment. Absolutely. And the other thing I would add, uh, the other thing I would add just real quick too is it's a saying that a lot of people hear and and sometimes you may not like it, but do your homework. But don't just do your homework on you know where you want to go or what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Well, if you do your homework on the NJCA and the two-year college level, you're going to realize a lot of things you didn't know before. Oh wow, they competed at a high level. Wow, they win national championships. Wow, they give scholarships. That's a significant cost that I'm saving. But also do the homework on yourself about where you are and where you want to go. And that's a little bit more fun homework to do than the schoolwork that we may get used to. But looking at your future, realizing who you are and what's best for you. But take a look at the NJCAA because you'll probably surprise yourself with what you find. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. Absolutely good stuff. I, you know, I say that I'm probably one of the few athletes who or college students, period, previous college college students who really stuck to what it was that I wanted to do, going to the, what do you call them? The advisor, academic advisor, like every semester to make sure I was on schedule um, before I even went to college, researching all the schools, like what is the best fit for what I want to major in, right? And I think sometimes we don't even take the time, our kids don't even take the time to do that small part. Instead of just going to schools where people are like, oh, well, this is going to be this is going to be the best fit because then you may get an offer from this school and whatever, else, you know. So, man, I just I love all the nuggets that you dropped today because it's so important for our student athletes to especially if you're going to leverage name, image and likeness. The first step is getting in that business mindset around your education. What is what is the investment? That's the word. What is the investment for your education you're going to make now? So that you will be able to sustain off of that later. We don't want you going to a school where first you're not mentally prepared for it. You're not financially prepared for it. And it can truly disrupt your life afterwards. We have too many uh, former athletes who are still paying really high um, uh, bills from school. Because it was something they couldn't afford, right? So just keep that in mind. Think about the options that are available to you. Do your research on JUCO because that may be a viable option for you as a student athlete. So I want to thank you, Brian, so much for coming and taking time out of your Monday um, to talk with me. So guys, look, go and follow Brian on LinkedIn. Make sure you do your research on JUCO. Come back here next week for another episode of What Are You Sporting About? I am your host, Savani DeBarros, Protector of Athletes. Make sure you go to the website at prosportlawyer.com, best-selling book, forward slash best-selling book to get a copy of our book, What Are You Sporting About? Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Until next time, ciao.
Thanks for joining us this week on What Are You Sporting About? podcast. Make sure to visit our website, prosportlawyer.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever your favorite platform is so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or iHeartRadio. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, What Are You Sporting About? Attorney Savania DeBarros is available for private consulting at sldebarros.com. And remember, we're here to educate, support, and guide you in your journey to success because we're all sporting about something.